excited, you know, just make sure, do we have to pay, do I have to bring anything? And so, but I encourage you to invite the, invite someone, invite a friend. We're going to have the, the Sunday school we'll be singing, the, the Firehouse Sunday School Choir. I don't know how many that will be. It, it depends on, could be a dozen, could be half a dozen. We'll see who shows up that night, who bails on us there. Mostly, you know, age six and under is probably who's going to be singing there, so it should be fun. But I remember the first time when uh, when God was kind of pursuing me, trying to get my attention, I started going to church for the first time in a while because my coworker said, hey, my kids are singing in the Christmas program. You want to come check it out? And I said, sure. Sounds like a fairly safe sort of thing. And so I showed up and listened to his kids sing, and I kept coming back, got involved in a small group, eventually heard about Jesus dying for me, got saved, and... You know, like they say, the rest is history or history in the making or whatever. But um, but I encourage you, don't underestimate this Christmas event. It should be a good time. It's going to be the theme is going to be rejoicing. We're going to have some fun together. You might even hear a Christmas haiku thrown in the mix here. We'll see how that goes. Um, and then the other side is just going to be, you know, kind of uh, thinking about the reality of the Christmas story, the reality of the birth of the Christ. And we're going to, you know, going to draw out those two elements of rejoicing and the reality of it. And. Uh, should be a good time. So anyways, make sure you've got one of those. Um, today, if you didn't know, we we're going to be doing baptisms. We have a bunch of baptisms to do. So um, I was talking to to the guy that uh, who we rent the building from here. And I was you know, talking through details. There was a big wedding here last night and stuff. And, and so um, I was saying, okay, well, we need this. And we're going to have to borrow your hose to get the hot water going to the, the baptismal. And, and he said to me, he kind of paused the conversation. He's like, like I said to myself last night, there's no way they're going to be doing baptisms tomorrow. So, well, he left up four gigantic snowmen out there by the baptism. So we'll have, we have four snowmen witnessing these baptisms uh, among everything else. We're not trying to communicate any doctrinal issues there or anything like that. But uh, we'll, we'll try to have fun with those as well here. And we're also doing, a, as we do baptisms this morning, we're going to have each person share a little bit, a little of their story. And then we're going to... We're also wrapping up chapter 5 of Acts. And so the way we're going to do it is we're going to read the rest of Acts chapter 5 this morning. And there's a few things that uh, kind of parallel the symbol of baptism that we're going to be um, carrying out today. And so we're going to look at those, those three things from the Acts chapter 5. We'll have these people share. And then we'll head up and uh, do some baptism. So let's just go ahead and pray. And we'll, we'll turn to Acts chapter 5 after that. And we might even get you a page number there. But... Anyways, let's pray real quick. Ah, well, Lord Jesus, we do uh, thank you for this morning. We thank you for bringing us together here. We ask that you would um, open our hearts to hear from you. Lord, it seems, uh, seems like we could easily miss you. It seems like a lot of things going on in um, our lives, our calendars, our schedules, maybe in our heart right now. I pray you'd slow things down. Help us to be still in your presence. Help us to hear your voice this morning. Lord, I pray that you would uh, fill this place with your spirit, fill each of us with your spirit. I pray that those who share this morning about the work you've been doing in their lives, the work that you've done in their lives, I pray that it would give you glory as well, that you'd be honored and pleased with our time and pleased with our gathering and our worship this morning. And so we really just want to turn this time over to you, ask that through your Holy Spirit, uh, you would make it a glorious time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Acts... uh, Acts chapter 5 here, and uh, anyone have that in the house Bible? Can you holler out a page number? 1081. What's that? 1081. 1081. Good, good. I was thinking I even brought a prize up here with me today. 
No, I just have the odds and ends in my pockets, but they're all past this out, Chief. Now. There you go. So, per- yeah, purple pony. There you go. That's I have way too much stuff in my pockets here right now. That's a. You hold on to that. Give that to my girls when we're done here, because that's not mine. Um, anyways, Acts chapter five. We're going to start in verse uh, seventeen. Acts five seventeen. Really, we're just going to read together through the end of the chapter, and we'll review a few, just a few points that uh, relate to baptism from that, from this uh, section here. So, Acts five seventeen. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, We found the jail securely locked, with guards standing at the door. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were puzzled, wondering what would come of this. Then someone came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts, teaching the people. At that, the captain with his officers uh, brought the apostles They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. Having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel A teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed them, Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thutis appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and all his followers were dispersed, and and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared, in the days of the census, and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. They ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. 
Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. So that's a pretty awesome passage there. Um, there's so much that we could pull out, probably just take one verse at a time and, and teach for the next, the rest of the new year coming up here. But we don't have time for that. We only have time for a few thoughts and we're going to tie them into baptism here. So um, let's see. The first verse we have we're going to look at is... We're going to look at this this phrase here. These two verses in particular. Um, so these guys are in prison and uh, or Peter and... Or I think it's Peter and John. Or does it say specifically? But... An angel of the Lord comes to him and, and basically releases them and says, Go, stand in the temple courts. Tell the people the full message of this new life. I really want you to catch that phrase because it's uh, we need to catch that this is what our business is about. It's about telling people a message of a new life. And also this is what uh, a part of baptism represents. It represents uh, sharing and burying an old life as you go down in the water and rising up to live a new life and all that through the Holy Spirit. And so um, I thought it was fitting that this phrase here doesn't show up a lot in the New Testament, but it shows up here in Acts 5 and it showed up here today in our service. This new life. A few things that, that we need to catch about this new life is um, uh, sometimes it's easy to think that we're in the church business. We're in like the doctrine business. And what we need to go is tell people uh, about this new doctrine. If you would just take hold of this new doctrine, boy, you could really be a smart person. You could really thrive and be successful in life. But we have to remember that this message that we bring, it's about a new life. It's about uh, really coming to believe in Jesus. It's just the first step. It's the first chapter in the beginning of a new life. Sometimes I'm afraid that uh, we, as, as Christians, we kind of try to hold Jesus back to the very end. It's like we work, we have a friendship, we try to be winsome and warm people up to the idea about God and maybe that God had a son. And maybe at the end of our life we'll actually tell them about Jesus. But one thing we really need to catch, one thing we see in the lives of the apostles in the first church is that Jesus was the first thing on their mouth all the time. They were telling people about Jesus. And this new life, it begins when you receive Jesus into your life, when you come to believe in Him, you receive His Holy Spirit, the new life begins. Um, and so, just a few things to be reminded of the new life. One is that um, when you come to believe in Jesus, you become a new creation. You can write this verse down if you're, if you're writing notes here. Second um, Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Part of the new life is that when you receive Christ, you become a new person. Um, not only you know a new creation, but you also get a new a new record, if you will. You get forgiveness. Everything that you've ever sinned or done against God is forgiven when you receive Christ. Last week we talked about the fear of God. We talked about the God who knows everything going on in your life, and the God who can expose. And we need to be reminded that this message is it is good news, and the good news includes. Everything that you've ever done against God, well, if you believe in Christ, it's paid for. It's a done deal. It's in the past. It's covered. You don't have to be ashamed of it anymore. You don't have to worry about that anymore. It's part of the new life. Another thing about the new life is that we have a new purpose. You know, uh, receiving Christ, you know, it's, it's kind of multifaceted. When you, when you come to believe in Jesus as your Savior, really we talk a lot about 
He saved us from our sins, from the consequences we've earned. But we also talk about Jesus as Lord and Savior. And, and Lord has to do with um, His blood has cleansed us from our sins, but at the same time, His blood has purchased anyone who believes in Him. And so you've been cleansed and you've been purchased. You've got a Savior, but since you've been purchased, you now have a new Lord. And that should lead to a new life. You know, I know in, in our, my life that before Christ, uh, my life was about me. It was living for my glory, making a name for myself. I remember back in high school just getting voted most likely to succeed or something like that. And I thought, you know, I've got to get to college. I've got to leave a mark in this world. I've got to somehow, you know, come up with Thatcher software. I've got to come up with something that I can leave a mark in this world. And um, it was all about me. But when you, when you receive Christ as your Lord... You know, um, a new life is to begin there. You now come under new ownership. You've been purchased. You're not your own anymore. Uh, your mind is not your own. Your heart is not your own. Your life, your body is not your own anymore. Your eyes, your hands, they have a Lord. And that's Jesus. And um, we need to catch that a new life really is an overflow of obeying your new Lord, your Master. Um, another thing about the new life that, that's awesome that we see exemplified in the, the disciples, the, the first apostles here... Um, so you have a, you're a new person, you've got a new purpose, a new life here, but you're also given a new power. And we see these apostles doing everything they did with power. It wasn't like, you know, you're a new person and God set this bar really, really high and you're just going to strive for it the rest of your life, but you can never actually do anything because it's so high up there. We've been given a power from the Holy Spirit to do things beyond what we could ever do on our own. And we see, um, you know, it's not just about... Um, just being this new person and sitting around going, boy, I'm glad I'm going to heaven. But the power is, is for living the new life. The power is for getting on with this mission. The power is for proclaiming Jesus uh, with God's backing, with something that's beyond ourselves. And time and time again, these guys were uh, proclaiming that, hey, Jesus did rise from the dead, and He is the one who can save you. And He proved it by, by overcoming death here. And they just took this message, and, and that God would do miracles, He would do healing, He would do... Um, save many people all at once and, and it's part of the new life and I think one of the reasons they were told go tell people about this new life I've been thinking about just Christians why, why do Christians not tell people about this new life sometimes why do you think um, you know one of the things that came to me is when we're told to go talk about this new life there's, there's really two places we can find ourselves if we're not doing it one is we go tell people about this new life we go you know it's supposed to be awesome it's supposed to be cool it's it's like, I'm not experiencing it, but it's awesome. You should try it for yourself, you know. On one hand, we, we tell people about a new life without experience, and it lacks credibility. It lacks authenticity. On the other side, people go, well, hey, I don't want to be inconsistent. My life is boring and dull and stagnant, and I'm not going to tell nobody nothing. Well, that's not what life is designed to be either. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it to the full, have it abundantly. And so we need to make sure, if, you're, if words like dull stagnant, shallow, stale, describe your Christian life, I'd encourage you to do something to change that. Get honest with God. You know, if those words describe your Christian life, I think you might also examine if those words don't describe your heart for God. Dull, stagnant, stale, shallow. And if that's the case, you need to repent. You need to tell God, look, I've been living a stale life. You said it's supposed to be full I'm still living for myself, even though you're my Lord. I just encourage you guys, get right with God. Go get honest with Him. Tell Him what you're really experiencing and ask Him 
to give you the full life. Ask Him to give you the abundant life because He wants you to have that. Then you can get on your way and tell people about the new life instead of going like, I don't have anything to speak on, so I won't. Or I'll speak even though it's not consistent with my life. God wants to give you an awesome life and He wants you telling others about this new life. And so, um, again, baptism relates to that. One of the verses we share with baptism here is uh, Romans 6. I'll read that for you here. Those of you getting baptized, um, you know, this is a... Baptism is a, it's really a symbol that we get to share. And Jesus gave us two of these symbols, also known as sacraments. One is uh, the breaking of bread, the Lord's Supper. The other is uh, baptism. And he gave us this kind of a sacred symbol, if you will. Um, and it says this about baptism here. Uh, Romans 6, 3 and 4. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. In baptism, somehow there's a mystery that we get to share in being buried as Christ was buried and then rising out of that to live a new life to the glory of of God. And um, we share in that. You know, baptism is, is not an accident. It wasn't a made up by the Pope or some church tradition, God gave us that symbol. And He said, hey, as you're doing this, you're sharing in being buried with Christ and being raised to a glorious new life. And you need to remember that, those of you that are getting baptized, it's a picture. It's a picture of what you get to share and what God has for you is this new life here. One of the other things I want to draw about baptism, I like how it says here, go tell them this full life. What was the response? What did they do? They're set free in the middle of the night from prison. How long did it take them to go public? Daybreak. Daybreak. As soon as the sun started shining, these people were out preaching again. We talked last week about God uses those who are responsive to Him. God used the apostles. It's crystal clear. They were extremely responsive. They said, go, go share this new message. They went as public as they could. The temple courts. They went as early as they could. As soon as daylight came about. At daybreak they came in them. And why did they preach? Why did they do it? From this verse right here? Well, because they'd been told to. This angel says, hey, by the way, you got in prison here because you're preaching about Jesus. I'm going to let you out. Get out there and do it again. They were told to get out. Why do we do baptisms? Why? Because we were told to. Jesus said, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. We didn't make baptisms up. One of the main reasons, if you only had to pick one reason to get baptized, it's because Jesus said to. He said, baptize, make disciples and baptize them in my name. And so, um, and that's why we do it. Sometimes people get complicated. They go, eh, you know, I live in the pop culture. I always got to get a new, fresh answer. I'm not satisfied with the same old answer Jesus told me to well that better be your first answer the only reason we get baptized is because Jesus said go get baptized you know Jesus could have said a lot of things he could have said hey look you're really devoted to me go get branded in my name go put my name across your your arm your forehead or something that doesn't really show you're devoted he could have said go sprinkle dirt on your head you know here's here's a sprinkle dirt it's going to be a rough life throw a little dirt on yourself get ready for it um the reason we do baptism is because Jesus said to. He said, go and get baptized. 
It's the symbol he picked. We didn't make it up. We're just trying to follow it. We're going to do that here today. He said to be baptized. And so, um, let's see, the last thing we look at here is just the end of this passage. It's kind of a, there's so much throughout the whole thing. Um, I really like that the, the guy was speaking to him at one point and he says, um, he said, look, hey, if these guys, if they're really from God, you know, if they're not from God, it's going to fail. But if they're from God, you won't be able to stop them. Guess what, folks? 20 centuries later, it's unstoppable. People are still getting saved. People are still getting baptized. That's, that's encouraging. We're doing business for God and no one can stop us. And if they try to, it says they're going to find themselves fighting against God. I just want you guys to be encouraged by that. I was very encouraged. Like, you know, if this was from God, those other examples, their, their leader died and it just faded out. Jesus was killed and it's still going strong. The kingdom business is still going strong here in the, be encouraged by that. But anyways, uh, we're going to look at this last section here. I um, just really want to draw out the... Let's see. So the guy persuaded them with his speech. Um, then they called the apostles in and they flogged them. Ordered, and they ordered them what? They ordered them not to speak anymore in this name, Jesus. Do whatever you want. Just don't mention Jesus. Don't use Jesus as your exclamation point. Don't use his name because, well, it's causing problems around here. And it really differs from the Jewish tradition we're trying to teach these people because we said he was a blasphemer and stuff. Don't use his name anymore. Do whatever you want. Be religious. Go to church. Go to small group. Just don't tell people about Jesus. You know, and um, and of course, they went on and kept on. It said uh, they flogged them. They let them go. And they went on rejoicing because they'd been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. I really like that phrase there, for the name. A lot of times in the book of Acts, it talks about the name, the name. It said to Paul when he first, uh, you know, uh, God turned his life around on the road to Damascus. It said, Paul, you're going you're gonna to carry my name to the Gentiles. And a lot of times it just talked about the name, the name. Um, and we just have to remember uh, this new life, the job we've been given. It's all about the name. There's one name that it's all about. Um, and we need to make sure we're sharing that name with people. It's only the name of Jesus Christ through whom people can get forgiven. It's only through Jesus Christ, through believing in Jesus Christ, you can um, receive His Spirit into your life, become a new creation, have the power to live a new life. And it's all about the name. And I just, I just want to encourage us to think about it. These guys, they suffered for the name. They were sharing it and they were told, hey, people said, don't, don't use that name. And they continued to. And they got thrown in prison. And then, well, they got out of prison and they started using the name again, teaching about Jesus. And they got... Brought back here, they got flogged. I just think we need to be all about the name. And, and if we get into trouble, rejoicing is what we're called to do. I, I just can't even imagine. It said they suffered disgrace. Some ways it's easy, you know, depends what movie you have in your brain when you think about what happened to it. But they got flogged. You know, it's easy to go, okay, they call them together, a few slaps with a rod or something like that. It's likely they've got the, uh, what do they call it, the, the 40, say, 1 or something like 39 lashings with the Roman... Uh, or with the uh, cat of nine tails, I think is that what it's called. And so, when it talks about suffering disgrace, you know, likely what happened is they, they got their skin shredded in front of people. And they were screaming, and they were probably crying, and they were very disgraced. And, you know, they went away, oh, I'm sure with scars, I'm sure they didn't have much on their back, much skin. And they went away rejoicing because they had gotten to suffer disgrace for the name. Have you done anything for the name lately? Have you mentioned the name to people? You know, nobody's going to get saved unless they hear about the name 
of Jesus Christ. And we need to get out there with the name. I remember a time I was talking to a guy on a mission trip. We went down to Tempe, Arizona. We have a little church down there. And uh, we're going door to door just talking to, talking to people in the neighborhood. And there was this guy we talked to and he, he was real friendly. His name was Terrence. And we asked him a few questions, you know, about how sure he was he's going to heaven and why. And, you know, he started, he, he seemed like he was a church fellow. He, he had a lot of church vocabulary. And he was talking about, one point I asked him, you know, um, well, we went through the gospel with him. It sounded like he might not have heard the full presentation of the good news about what Jesus had done. We went through a track with him. He's, he's going right along. And at the end, we kind of asked him, do you want to pray? He's like, yeah, I'd like to pray. And we're like, cool, this is exciting, you know. Door to door, we meet someone who wants to receive Christ. And, and so he prayed. And, you know, his prayer was nice and it was friendly. And he, he talked about God as a father and the God who knows everything about him and things like that. But he didn't mention Jesus' name at all. He didn't mention anything about what Jesus had done, taking him as a Savior or Lord. And so after he prayed, I was like, you know, that was a very authentic prayer. It was very nice what she said. But um, you really, you didn't even mention Jesus in there at all. And, uh, and so we, we got to, and I said, so who is Jesus to you? You know, is he your, your Lord and Savior? And he just, he paused and he, was, he just got a little, um, you know, and that was the issue. He didn't believe in Jesus as his Lord and Savior personally. We shared the analogy of the chair. Just like the chair, it's, um, you know, we put the chair out. Do you believe the chair will hold you up? Yeah, sure, I believe that chair will hold you up or hold me up. You know, is that chair currently holding you up? No, it's not holding me up. Why not? Well, I'm not sitting in that chair. A lot of times people do the same thing with Jesus. You know, it's like, um, well, I'm sure he'd be a good saver. I'm sure he could get the job done. I'm just not trusting in him personally. And um, so we left Terrence thinking about it. I was like, it's all about Jesus, whether you receive him into your, your life as Lord and Savior or not. And, and he was kind of not ready to do that. And so we went on our way and, um, oh, finished passing out our flyers and stuff like that. And I just felt like I put it on my heart to go talk to, to him again, just to give him my phone number and say, hey, we're here in town for a couple days. Maybe we could do coffee. And so I went back, um, I don't know, it was a half hour, hour later. And he came to the door. Our conversation ended you know, last time, I think his roommate kind of came and he was a little awkward, like, oh, I'm, this is embarrassing. I'm talking about Jesus and my roommate's over there. But I came back a little while later and went to the door and Terrence showed up and he had this, you know, big smile. And uh, I was kind of like, I just wanted to give you my number. He's like, I'm ready. I'm ready to do it. I'm like, you're ready. I'm ready to pray to receive Christ into my life. And, um, and I was talking through, make sure you understand, but he, he prayed to receive Jesus right there as his Lord and Savior. And it's all about the name. And we've got to make sure we don't miss that. Baptism is identifying publicly with the name of Jesus Christ. It's saying, you know, I'm with Jesus. And it's a public declaration. And um, this, today when you guys make this statement, Jesus said at one point, he said, um, Matthew uh, 10.32, he said, Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. And whoever disowns me before men, I will also disown before my Father in heaven. And um, there's a way in baptism that you get to take a public stand that you're a follower of Jesus, a believer in Jesus Christ, and also you want to be a follower of His, and that's why you want to get baptized here. And so, um, let's see here. I'm going to call people up here. So, quick review. Um, it's about a new life. This message is about beginning a new life with, uh, as a new person, a new purpose with a new power. It's about doing it because, well, Jesus told us to. 
And it's about the, it's about the name. The name that's above all names. It's about publicly identifying with that name. Here in baptism is how we do that. And so um, we're going to call a few people up here and maybe just ask a few questions about their story. And then we're going to head up and do some baptism. So um, I'll scoot over here. If you're getting baptized today, do you mind coming up on stage here? You guys give them a warm welcome if you would. Yeah, let's line up. How about we line up right across here? Awesome. Okay. Excellent, excellent. We'll see. We'll start with Patrick here. Um, I'll give this to you. I'm ready. Testing, testing. We still got sound. All right. Um, we're going to... Let's see. And, and some of these are... Kendra, maybe we can have you stand right here and Robin right there. There's kind of a... There's kind of a little clan. I'd like to talk about this crew here. There's a lot of associations there that I think are it's very encouraging. But... Um, We'll have you go and you go and um, let me see a few questions. Um, uh, see, the first one is just when when did you um, come to believe in Christ? Sure. Um, I guess I'm very grateful to be celebrating knowing Jesus for by my my estimation 13 years at this point in my life, half my life. So I'm thankful to have lived with Jesus for several years now. Mm. Um, the timing of that, I guess. At the time, there was things in my life that were just different or changing, and uh, just a quick story that I'll share. Um, it kind of paralleled my coming to faith. I grew up with epilepsy from the time I was four till I was twelve. When I was twelve, I, my family decided to send me to a doctor, and I'd have brain surgery to try to get rid of the epilepsy. And, that's what I did, and God, by His grace, totally cured me of that at that time. Awesome. Um, so I share that just because it is God's grace, I think, that allowed that. And that year, I think, I grew up in church, but didn't realize till that point in my life that Jesus wanted me personally and wanted my faith. So. Awesome, awesome. And, uh, and who is Jesus to you now, Pastor? Oh, Jesus is. I think you mentioned Romans 6, that Jesus, we're baptized into Jesus' death. And just to look at that, I think that means a lot to me, that Jesus on my behalf went to the cross. And um, only by that, my given life, given a true life before God. So Jesus is Savior. and Lord and Savior. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Let's see here. Um, And why do you want to get baptized? Um, obedience I think is a big part of it as Rich mentioned I kind of come to the point in recent weeks or months I guess that um, I think it's just a thing that I want to do to obey God and to to not limit Him I mean I guess I've been baptized I was baptized as an infant and have grown up in the church but uh, I think this is just a step of faith that will honor God, and I look forward to how God will work through it. I think one of the encouraging things about Patrick is just um, uh, he came to faith a number of years ago, but um, as we were going through even this uh, baptism, and very thorough, and Kendra will probably testify to that as well. But, um, you know, some of if, if you're like me, when I was an infant, my, my parents, uh, they dedicated me as a child. They... Uh, uh, they did 
different than the pattern we always see in the New Testament is of one becoming a believer and then one getting baptized. And there's always an order in the New Testament there of believing and then publicly declaring, you know, your private faith. And and so um, I was very encouraged by Patrick's life. Just what I've known of him is when he came to found, find out some of these things and what they mean um, from the New Testament, he... He kind of had to me like one of those uh, at daybreak responses. I think once he was like, okay, when's the next time I can do this? And well, it's today. So, so that's awesome. And I think Kendra might be yeah. similar as well. But with yeah, Kendra- it's, it's very similar actually. Um, my husband and I have been coming here for about, what, a year now, I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I've been saved since 2000. Um, April of 2000 so um, and I you know I just didn't really think that I needed to be baptized but um, pretty much ever since I started coming here I started realizing and and learning that um, it's really a step of obedience and Mm -hmm. you know that's a good thing to do so um, and I think every time the baptisms came up I was like "Mm, I don't know but um, definitely through the our small group sort of been convicted to take that take that next step. So awesome. very cool. Yeah. Well, good, good. And so. well, I think that answers the question. I'd say that's, <laughs> that's pretty well. much it well, for me. Robin here, and uh, Robin is this is kind of a clan. They're interconnected here in different ways, and so it's awesome that they started coming. I think actually, um, Robin, were you the first one to come to church with yes. your crew, yes. and then then you brought your your daughters. One of them got baptized a number of mm-hmm. months ago, and then now. Jazz and Isaiah, and then friends of the family, I think, as well. Lady maybe Sherwana, that's okay. my niece. That's great. And Julia's friend, Leo. And maybe a little about your story. When uh, when did you come to believe in Christ? Um, in 2006 is when I was saved. Okay, yes. awesome. And uh, who's Jesus to you now? Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Very, very cool. And um, why do you want to get baptized? And I want to get baptized to show my obedience and my dedication to live my life for Jesus. Amen, amen. And... Uh, is there anything else you want to um, just we'll pass it on to them if you have a thought you want to share um, just that um, I was really just inspired I think by my daughter Julia because I could see her she was only 14 reading her Bible and she had found something that I had always been looking for and I didn't question her I didn't want to interrupt it I just felt so blessed to have this teenager reading her Bible mm-hmm. and that's kind of how I came to to find my real relationship with God so, that's awesome yeah. very cool Leo here. We haven't been introducing him officially. Um, we'll go back. You did. This was Patrick. If you didn't hear that, Kendra, Robin. This is Leo here. Leo, um, when did you come to believe in Christ? October nineteenth this year, when I first stepped into church after nine years and eight months. All right, awesome. And want to say a little of what that was like for you? Um, <laughs> Well, my whole life I've been searching for God. I've been praying. You know, I'm Lakota. I'm Sitsangu Lakota, and those are my beliefs. But I took a flash from and they tried to force Jesus on me, abuse me, memorize Psalms and Bible verses, 316 John. But it repelled me away from God. It did. I, I opposed him. I had so much hate. You know, why are these people doing this to me? And it's, you know, for the longest time I've been searching, you know. And But, you know, if it wasn't for, you know, Julia, I, I would have still been searching. You know, I still would have been hating, having so much frustration in my life. You know, and I realize now it's 
mortals, it's people, you know, putting those boundaries in my way. You know, Jesus, I believe that he put the put those there, put put all the problems in my life for me to overcome them and realize, you know, that he's doing this because he loves me. He wants me to learn out of experience, you know. And I, I was saved. I accepted Christ on the 9th of November this past month, and the Holy Spirit exists. Amen. That's awesome. I thought, you know. Who's, uh, who would you say Jesus is to you now, Leo? He says your Lord. Yeah, I'd say he's my Lord and Savior, but he's also my guidance, my light. You know, I have this. I write a lot of poetry, and I just have this part of my poem that I'd like to share with you in my life before. But it goes like. I've discovered the depths of the dark with demons dwelling deep inside my heart waiting to come out when I am lost. And that just reflects the life I lived before. And now, after the sermon today, I realize that, you know, I am changed. I am a new creation. Mm-hmm. You know, everything I think and feel, it's, it's all for Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And it feels good. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Good. We can clap. We probably could clap after each one of these. I don't know. Um, let's see, Isaiah, when did you come to believe in Christ? Uh, about about two years ago did I really like understand who he was because I, I grew up not knowing mm-hmm. really what, what, why Jesus died on the cross. I never really understood that. Mm-hmm. And so, like... I just like a few, just like two years ago. I did. I really like understand mm-hmm. what his sacrifice was. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Very cool. I like that to your sister there. <laughs> yeah. um, my testimony is um, a little like my mom's. I was, <clears throat> I saw my sister saved and just saw her change so much. And unlike my mother, it didn't inspire me. It scared me. And I really didn't like it. I didn't. I would go into her room and take her Bible out of my room and put it somewhere else because I didn't want it there. And I, mm-hmm. I think it's really because I knew that, you know, I wasn't where I was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I got saved at a, at a concert a couple years ago. And after that, I did go through a period of time where I kind of fought what God was trying to do in my life. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until recently coming here and learning more and spending time with other Christians that he's really convicted me and really um, shown the beauty that he is in my life. And I just really come to understand who he is. Mm-hmm. You, you want to get baptized to, to follow him and <laughs> to obey him? Yeah, and Jesus was baptized, and that's really encouraging. Awesome, awesome. And this is your cousin, is that? Okay, and your name is? Sherbon. Sherbon. Introduce yourself. Sherbon. Hi, my name is Sherbon. Okay. And uh, when did you become a, a Christian? Or a believer um, I grew up, like, with the church and everything. I just, like, grew up with the Bible and having the faith and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I just, I got saved when I was about five. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I just pretty much grew up with God and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, like, as I grow up and stuff, like, more things come clear to me Mm -hmm. of why I'm a Christian. That's great. And so then who would you say Jesus is to you? Jesus, to me, is, like, really awesome. He, um, he's, uh... My Lord and Savior. He's a lot of things, but those he are ones that are primary. Yeah. Just, he's really. Uh, well, that's good. Well, that's awesome. And then you want to get baptized to 
just to obey his yeah. I'm assuming this is the... You've been here a few times or is this one your first time? I've been here a few times. That's right, Pastor. Okay, well, very awesome. Well, um, what we're going to do is just um, pray um, for these brothers and sisters in Christ here. And uh, maybe Jeff and Brad, if you guys come up or if Jeff's around. There we go. I'm just going to pray for them. I think uh, Jeff has been... Uh, sacrificially behind the scenes working to get hot water into our little cattle tank out there. It was fairly cold, so he's been helping warm warm up the situation there. So we'll uh, we'll pray. Uh, come up here. Start us off and close us up here. Have you guys stand by each other? You guys are? Okay, excellent. All right, we'll pray with you here. God, we thank you for each of your children here. God, we're very encouraged just to see their hearts to obey you. Got to proclaim you to be counted uh, with your name, Lord. It's such an encouraging step when uh, someone takes a private faith and makes it public and says, Yes, I am Christ's son. I'm Christ's daughter. And they make a public statement. I just thank you for each of these children of yours, God. And uh, we pray you really bless them with this step of obedience. God, and this would really be a first step of obeying you for the rest of their lives. We just pray you'd, you'd really uh, continue to give them your spirit and guidance and they would they would follow you and obey, God, you. Um, in Matthew 28, when you talk about making disciples, you said, go into all the nations and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And I pray that after they're baptized today, they will obey all that you've commanded, and each of these will be one that really follows you and glorifies you with their whole lives, Lord. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen, Lord Jesus. We thank you for uh, every brother and sister in Christ up here. We thank you that um, just you've worked in each of their lives in unique ways, Lord, to to get their attention, to win their hearts, to show them your love. Lord, I thank you that... um, that you died on the cross for, for each one of them. You died for all of us. So we, we thank you um, uh, for dying for everyone who would believe it, Lord God. We thank you that you're our, our Lord, our Savior. You give us new life, new power. God, I thank you for the step to obey you here today that, uh, that each of these are taking. Lord, I pray that this would just be the beginning of a, a life that has sensitive obedience to your Spirit and to your Word, that they would... Um, live for your glory and not for their own, that they would live for your will and and not their own. And we just thank you for the encouraging example each one of them is to us of faith and obedience. And we we just give thanks and glory in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, so what we're going to do here is uh, we're going to give them some time to get in uh, whatever baptism attire and... uh, they're going to go change real quick, and then we're going to head out on the patio. Is where our kind of our cattle tank is up there, and uh, right in between the, the large snowmen on either side there. So, um, but anyways, we'll meet you up there in a few minutes, and then we'll have each one of them um, get baptized, and we'll sing our, our favorite baptism song after that, and we'll, we'll get on our way here. But anyways, we'll meet you up on the patio in in just a few minutes. So you guys can meander on out this door and up the stairs there. Yeah.